Welcome to the Texan F1 podcast. My name is Chris. Uh, I'm the host here. And uh, this is a new podcast that I've decided to make. Basically, the premise is I'm a guy from Texas who is a Formula One fan. And I wanted to, to, to basically put all the thoughts that I have about the races into a podcast form. I have a whole lot of thoughts about everything. So I talk about it um, quite a lot with other people. Um, and really it just, I have all these, all these things in my head that, you know, I want to get out there. So the, the format that I'll be doing here and uh, trying out is we'll be talking about the race that just happened. Um, all the things that happened there, some of the interesting tidbits that I've picked up, um, from reading all the articles and things, some of the noise surrounding the, the Grand Prix. And then uh, we'll do a little preview, uh, for the next race and also talk about the championship. Um, it, it is late in the season. Okay. And I, I realize that, but you know, when, and when inspiration strikes, you just, you go, you know, you, you don't think twice about it. So without further ado, let's talk about the United States Grand Prix. Obviously this is going to uh, be a podcast that features spoilers. So we're going to talk about the results of the race, obviously. Um, so if you want to watch the race, I recommend you just watch the race. This isn't, you know, I'm not going to have, uh, I'm not going to dance around the results and everything. Uh, so yeah, let's just jump right in here. So, you know, we'll start at the beginning of, of the weekend, uh, in FP one, um, you know, that Mercedes looked like it was on rails once again, looking like they were going to be absolutely on top of things. Um, Hamilton's pace advantage was, was big. Like he was, uh, you know, in Turkey again. I mean, that car looked like in Turkey, it was ridiculous. Um, I mean, it didn't work out in, in the race, obviously, but, I mean, their pace was undeniable. Um, looked like Red Bull from FP1 had a lot of work to do to match Mercedes. Um, but uh, when we get into FP2, um, looks like Mercedes dialed their engines back. When I was looking at some of what the things that they were saying, um, Shovlin, he's one of the technical guys over there. He's like the technical director, I believe, at Mercedes. He was talking about it. Um, Total Wolf was talking about it. Basically, they found, uh, you know, they've, they've been having some engine reliability problems. And uh, I guess where they started, they thought that they could they could maintain that. And they kind of dialed it back um, once they realized that, yeah, I mean, we're going to we could do this. Uh, we could we could maintain the engine being run at this this high of a level. But, you know, that's going to that's going to be a, a big problem uh, in a couple races time, probably. So. They did that to save some miles there. Uh, Red Bull seemed to figure out the um, the setup. Obviously, in the first practice, if you saw what happened there, they had a lot of damage on the car. Um, so the Circuit of the Americas is a very bumpy track. Uh, that's one thing that that the the MotoGP riders were complaining about was the bumpiness and everything. And the F1 cars, they have you know they actually have like a suspension, <laughs> so um, you know they were able to handle the bumps the bumps a little bit better. It's interesting because. Uh, the last time the race was held at, you know, the last time the USGP was held was in 2019. And if, if you recall from that race, if you saw it, um, cars were having problems all weekends with the curbs. The curbing was literally shaking, uh, the car, uh, and doing tons of damage. I think, I think, uh, Vettel had a retirement that race, if I'm not mistaken on, in the Ferrari. Uh, so, so to go from, you know, the curbs being the problem to now the, the surface of the track being a problem. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, it, it definitely adds uh, some character onto the track that, you know, a lot of people um, think is is the most 
Tilkadrome of all the Tilkadromes, but uh, I don't know. I think it's a good characteristic for the track, so we we definitely had some some intrigue there. And the 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 floor of the Red Bull, the wings, I mean, everything was chewed up. And I think Mercedes was were, were having some of those problems as well. I think everybody was to a certain extent. But the the Red Bull uh, after FP one, and I think they actually had some problems in FP two as well. They were able to correct that going forward. One of the biggest talking points about FP two was uh, when. Lewis, so so Max and Lewis were lining up for a hot lap. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole grid was basically, but um, Lewis was right behind Max, and uh, Lewis sent it up the inside of Max, and like and and basically caused Max to have to abort his 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 flying lap, and Max flipped him off and called him some names and stuff. And uh, that's one of those things that I've been thinking about. Hamilton's been doing a lot of these little mind gamey type things all season, and I think that's another. Another thing that he's doing there, I think that this is a sign that he's cracking a little bit. You know, he's trying to he's trying to do sort of, and I, and I, I use a an analogy that some people this may go right over their head, um, but uh, the boxer Evander Holyfield, most famous for getting his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson, um, Evander Holyfield was a real. Uh, some people would say he was dirty, but what he did is he. You know, he used his uh, he used any advantage he could in the ring that was kind of in this in the, it wasn't illegal, but, you know, it, it was still kind of a jerk move. He would do things. He, he had an afro uh, at one point in time in his career, and then I think he shaved it down, but he would he, he would rub his hair on people like he would irritate their skin, like when they're in the clinch and in, in boxing and just do these little things that just just slowly got under. Uh, the the opposition skin and uh, Lewis has been doing some different moves throughout the season to try and I I personally feel to try and get underneath Max's skin and to see if he can get Max to crack a little bit and uh, I think the only other time I've seen Lewis go to this level was was when Rosberg was pushing him that hard so you know with it being the way that it is now I think Hamilton's trying to pull out all the stops to try and win. And I, I don't know, just little things like that, like cutting off the guy in FP2. It's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't do anything, but it's maybe one of those mental mental things. He's trying to sow a seed uh, of doubt in Max's head. But Max, you know, I think Max has been pretty much from the beginning of his career has been very, you know, I don't I don't really care. I'm here to I'm here to drive the car fast. <laughs> that's been that's been basically everything with Max. So moving on here into into FP3. You know the the Mercedes pace didn't really get any better on the soft tires. Seemed like the the degradation was was a problem. I, since I you know Texan F one podcast USGP down in Texas, uh, I don't live in Austin. I live up in uh, in in DFW, so Dallas Fort Worth. But I can confirm. You know last weekend was 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 hot. I mean it's you know today is October twenty sixth and the the GP was held on the twenty fourth. And uh, yeah, I mean for for end of October, it's unseasonably warm. It's Texas. I mean, if you lived here, you, you'd understand. It's, you know, the past few years anyways, winter doesn't really show up until like maybe December. Usually it kind of hits hard in January. This year it hit really hard in February. But um, as as those of you might know about that winter storm that, that knocked out power and froze Texas, I'm sure everybody knows about that, but still anyways. That's what happened there, um, but uh, yeah, it was super hot, and so the deg was really high. the The surface there is really bumpy, you know, so the suspension is kind of going all over the place, and the tires are getting getting chewed up. So I think that they were having a hard time with that. Clearly, 
whereas Red Bull seemed to really be dialed in. Uh, Sergio Perez topped the timesheets. And, I mean, for somebody that I think is uh, having a tough season, it was probably a really big morale booster to see that, yeah, I mean, he's, he, you know, for him to, to, to be topping the timesheets. As well as in the race, uh, Sergio did not have the drink like Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, his drink button stopped working or something. And he was sick. So, I mean, we'll get to Sergio specifically. But, yeah, I mean, that was uh, must have been a big morale booster. The 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 surprising one to me was uh, Signs being up there. I think he was like P3 in, in FP3, uh, P3 or P4. But, he you know, the Ferraris just suddenly jumped in. I think he was P3. He might have even been to P2. But he jumped into the fray and was like, wow, where, where did the Ferrari pace come from? So big, big deal there. Um, and I, I'm going to be just, you know, just just to clarify here, I'm talking about the top teams, um, but I, I'm going to kind of go through and, and kind of talk about some some things specifically in the race. So, it, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the the notable ones. And then if I have some time, um, I'll talk about some of the other ones throughout the field. So but I mean, obviously, we're going to be talking about this amazing championship battle. So that's the main thing. In qualifying, uh, if you watch that, uh, Perez led through most of Q3, um, and then it took a really good lap from Verstappen. Uh, but Hamilton did jump in front of Perez, and then ha- and then uh, Verstappen cleared Hamilton by like two tenths. It's like whoa, wow! I mean, that's that's a pretty big, pretty big jump there, um, especially when we're talking about F1 and how close it's been, you know, to be taking pole position by two tenths. That's it, a pretty. It's been a that that would be one of the bigger gaps this season that Verstappen's been able to take pole. Anyone's been able to take pole, but obviously the qualifying and the practice is not what it's about. It's about the race, um, and Verstappen got out of the blocks with some pretty big wheel spin, and Hamilton was able to to take the lead right off the bat. Um, and then it, you know Max was lucky that Sergio was right there. Uh, in third place, because if it was anybody else, they would have overtaken him, and Max would have been in P3. But Sergio knows where he makes his money. You know, he knows he knows where why he's getting paid. He knows why he has the seat. So you know, he didn't fight Max. He just kind of maintained position, let Max kind of get himself on, uh, you know, situated there, and then and then go after Lewis. So great teammate, but um, you know, some people probably hated that. <laughs> A lot of Sergio fans that were there in the in the crowd, just in the side. Uh, I went to the Red Bull Red Bull show run that was here in Dallas a couple weeks ago. It was a week before the GP, and Sergio Perez was there driving the the 2011 RB7 that was driven by Sebastian Vettel to his uh, second championship. That was a really wild experience, but it was you know, th- dude, the amount of Sergio fans that were there. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. We didn't we didn't know uh, that Sergio was going to be there. Until uh, I think the day of they they changed so the website had the thing like come out to the to the show run like it's going to be you know F one cars all this stuff I said yeah I mean I'm I'm down I'll take a train in and and go watch it um, and then I mean I turned up and dude there were thousands of people uh, watching this show run it, it was it was hard to get a spot on the the rail next to the little track that they had set up I mean it was hard it was hard to find an open spot like you had to stand back I mean it was it was crazy. Um, but the amount of people wearing Red Bull gear, the amount of people wearing Sergio Perez specific related gear was crazy. And I mean, yeah, it's close to Mexico and all, but I mean, that was that was wild. So I'm sure the amount of support there at Austin was huge. And to see Perez, uh, you know, hang back there probably probably killed them a little bit on the inside. But 
back to the race here. The other big one on lap one, there was a couple of couple of things. I'm not going to talk about the specifics of them, but the the, the next big one that I think if, you know if if you wanted to watch the race back and look at a a tight fight, look at the Ferraris and the McLarens. I mean, they were all four of them were tangled up, and basically, you know, Norris had some wise judgment. Um, but basically, if Norris didn't back out, or if, if you know he backed out, but if, if if nobody had backed out of the situation. There could have been a massive accident between them, and that would have been obviously very big uh, for championship implications for the Constructors' Championship. That third-place spot is being hotly fought over between Ferrari and McLaren. So that was, that was I mean, that was a great tussle there. <laughs> what became interesting is that right away, to me, it was pretty clear that with Verstappen and Hamilton up front, it looked like Verstappen was kind of trying to conserve those medium tires Perez was also trying to do the same, uh, and and Hamilton was doing what he does, and the Mercedes car doing what the Mercedes car does well, and that is just putting in the strong pace and clean air. That's really where um, that car excels, and so that's what they were they were turning in some pretty strong laps. Lap ten, Verstappen dives into the pits, and it was funny because on the radio he was like, "I mean, I don't think we're." He's like, "I don't, I don't think we're fast right now." Uh, these tires aren't going to last any longer. I mean, you know, let's 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 dive into the pits. So they get some hards on, and uh, the interesting thing I didn't know about this until after the race and well after the race, and I, I read an article. But but Verstappen actually radio called into the pit wall and said, "Hey, you should bring Sergio in because you know otherwise Hamilton can stay out long if Sergio stays out there. You know, Hamilton will have to cover off Sergio and." Basically, we can we can throw a wrench into the Mercedes uh, strategy. That was a very Vettel esque <laughs> type of uh, strategy call from Verstappen. Uh, I, I say Vettel esque because of him calling uh, the shots for Ferrari, you know, and he was actually right on his strategy calls a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, no, no, Verstappen made that call, and I was like, wow, that's uh, that guy's got some great some great race uh, race instincts there. And that caused Hamilton to come in on lap 14. The interesting thing to me is in this race, the deg being what it is, a tire degradation being as high as it is or high as it was. This was a, a one of those rare races where it went medium hard hard was the optimal strategy. It's very rare that of the three compounds that Pirelli selects that you get on the hardest compound for two stints. Very rarely is that the case. Usually, um, the, the 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 compounds align to where you would probably do two mediums and a hard, or you do a medium, a hard, and a soft, or you just do a medium and a hard. But it's very rare that 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 you do a medium, hard, hard. I mean, that's that's pretty weird. So, anyways, besides the point there, Hamilton pits on lap fourteen, and when he comes out, Verstappen's ahead six seconds. Hamilton starts closing the gap. Ferrari and McLaren are battling it out during this time. Um, Sainz has a stop uh, as well. There was, there was a whole bunch of pit stops, obviously, but Sainz had a stop, and it was not good. I think his, from what I remember, I think the rear the rear right was sticky. and They couldn't get it off, um, and Ricardo was able to get ahead, and uh, Norris was not able to get ahead of Sainz. Um, Bottas is, is making his way up through the field. Uh, we have Alonso retired uh well actually first was was gasly uh and then we had Ocon, and then later on we had alonzo after he battled it out with raikkonen there was some back and forth we had that great 
which I, I'm not so sure that I, I like it very much. But, you know, you, you had that radio message between Alpine and uh, Michael Massey, you know, arguing about uh, the off track situation with Raikkonen. And I mean, just a bunch of nonsense. See, I, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but not too long is the uh, that radio radio call thing that they put on air now between the you know FIA and teams. I think that's going to be gone here pretty quickly. I think next season that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, similar with the um, uh, the drivers, the cool down room, and they had the cameras in there, and you know, and then there was the driver press conference, or not the press conference, but the, the 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 driver meeting that they would they would film, and drivers would call each other out, and there's like all this stuff, all this drama, all this bullcrap that's kind of getting shoved in there. Um, I just expect that to be gone because the FIA probably doesn't want that stuff being broadcasted, especially with the way that people are, you know, uh, as I've learned in my life is that it, when you get up into professional, the, the top end of, of, of the, of a, of a company, you know, uh, professionalism is not, it, it appears to be a lot higher but there's still attitudes, you know, people are still going to be kind of passive aggressive about stuff. They're going to say things, you know, they're people. Right. And Michael Massey has always struck me as the smug, smug guy. I mean, just the way that it is. But people are going to start, you know, just hating on Michael Massey because of the fact that he just talks the way that he does on the radio. Um, and then the teams are going to get hate because of how they talk to the FIA on the radio. And it's like this, you know, people are just going to get offended. And st- I just, I fully expect that to be gone. Um, even though it is kind of cool to hear what the teams are actually arguing in the moment to try and, and, and unwind the situation. It's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Right. But besides the point, um, so this all goes on, uh, lap 29 Verstappen comes in and, 29 laps to go, and he had just been on the hards there for 19 laps, um, and his tires were shot when they when they pulled them off. I mean, they were worn down to the canvas. So for those that don't know how it works with a slick, because when you hear the word tread, you know, you think of like treads, um, like grooves and stuff. But tread, the construction of the tire is, is it's, it's simply described as... Uh, if if you think about it, there's a rigid a rigidity to it, right? There's a structural part of the tire that has nothing to do with contact to the to the surface of the track. Um, that, so if you've if you've ever you know had a had a damaged tire or you've seen a damaged tire, you've seen uh, of any tire, you've seen uh, steel cabling and stuff like that. Um, that is part of the structural integrity of the tire. And then on top of the that structural part is your good rubber, your soft rubber um, that is used for contacting the surface of the road. That is called tread. Um, and so basically what they were saying is that Verstappen's tires had gone and used up all of the tread, or in all of it is probably not accurate, but it probably was worn down in spots down to the the structural part of the tire he had probably worn the tread down to 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 a nub and so at that point you know his pace wasn't going to get any better it was going to get a lot worse and it was probably going to get worse very quickly now the surface of the track being what it was the situation that that he had found himself in you know 
that caused the degradation of the tires. So what was interesting, and it was one of the few things here that, you know, that the, that the, the main broadcast got into that I thought was interesting. I'm not trying to say anything bad about the main broadcast. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, but they actually got into a technical detail, which is when Hamilton pits, and we'll talk about that in a second, is he eased his tires up to temperature. What does that do, right? Because, um, I mean, what's the difference? You push your tire, you're going to push the tire hard at some point. So you have what is known as uh, graining, okay? And graining is when the internal temperature of the tire, so we'll back up a second here. This is, this is, <laughs> it could be a confusing explanation, but what we just talked about, the structural part of the tire. So uh, if you think about a, a, uh, like a, like actually a pie would probably be a good, a good, good analogy. All right. Uh, or any layered food. Okay. If the top of it is hot, but you put the spoon in there and the inside is cold. I mean, the whole thing is not going to be warm. It's going to be lukewarm, right? It's going to be, you know, you might have some hot spots in there, but it's mostly going to be just kind of mush. So a tire is kind of sim- kind of similar. The the inside of the tire needs to be at an, you know, at a certain temperature and the tread needs to be a certain temperature and the, the actual contact point needs to be a certain temperature. You have inner, middle and outside uh, temperature on your tires. Uh, so tires aren't just linear things. Um, they're, they're very complicated how they work. Um, so if you just start pushing immediately, right, the, the, the contact point, the, the outer surface of the tire is going to be digging into the surface of the track and it's going to be generating a lot of heat. But, um, if you go too hard, too fast, what ends up happening is you actually push the, uh, outer tire, the, the outer part of the tire well outside of the temperature range that the tires need to be at. So if you're saying, let's just say, for instance, that the operating temperature window is between 90 degrees and 100 degrees Celsius, okay? And if you're, and that's for all parts of the tire, that's inner, middle, middle and outside, 90 to 100 degrees, that's where you want it to be. So as you can see, that's uh, not the widest temperature range to get it to operating. So if you're pushing your tires really hard and you get them to 100 degrees on the outside, well, you better hope that your inner and your middle part of the tire are are within that 90 to 100 degree range. If you so like I said, if you push super hard, super fast, what ends up happening is you push the outer part of the tire well outside the temperature range, but you need to keep pushing it harder to bring the inner and the middle part of the tire up to temperature. So the tire will essentially be acting sticky on the outside, but it'll be very slighty is kind of the characteristic that kind of happens whenever you have graining. And when you slide with the tire, you end up destroying bits of it. So if you've ever looked at pictures of it, when they say, Ooh, that tire is graining and you see that there's a lot of like, well, graininess on the surface of the tire you're like, okay, you know, so they're trying to deal with that. They're trying to manage the tire temperatures. And it's complicated because that's just kind of how the tires are designed. They're designed to be difficult. They're designed to, 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 to be hard to get into the right window, and they're designed to fall away so that we have multiple pit stops. So the technology behind the tires is they're very interesting, but it's very technical. I would strongly recommend that if you're interested in learning more about how the tires work, that uh, you go check it out, uh, check out um, 
some tech talks about it. Um, there's some people on YouTube that have some diagrams and things like that. That would be a very good idea for you to take a look at as well. Um, but anyways, uh, Verstappen, when he pitted the first time, his objective was to to get out of Lewis's pit window. So he pushed really hard. And, you know, the situation called for it. So basically... His tires, they may not have gone through a full-on graining phase, but he was rip-roaring right from the get-go. Um, and, I mean, with, with, with the surface of the track being uh, as hot as it was, I'm not so sure that that he didn't go through graining, but, um, you know, his pace wasn't wasn't lighting up the timesheets. It was just faster than what Lewis was doing out there. So, Lewis pits. Uh, and then, anyway, so we, we, go, we go forward in time here to lap 29, Verstappen pits, um, and uh, 26 laps to go. Hamilton's in the lead, and Mercedes is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, obviously, they're going to bring Hamilton in. They just want to know, you know, they have to make the call to bring him in now or later. The advantages to bringing him in at that point right away, maybe lap 30, is that uh, they will narrow the advantage that Verstappen has in terms of track position. So they, if they get out uh, two seconds behind Verstappen, Hamilton's in striking distance for a long time. But knowing the situation that Max still would still have fresh tires and with the, the, the problem that Mercedes has had with following cl- cars closely, um, Lewis would likely eat his tires up and uh, wouldn't be able to make the pass. So, that was one scenario, and then leaving him out longer basically means that Lewis can push, get his tires up to temperature, uh, close the gap because his pace is going to be enormous, and then uh, Verstappen's tires are hopefully dead at that point. And that's because you're looking at a 26-lap uh, stint after you need to pit after, what, I think they, they pitted after 19. It's like, okay, you're going to make it seven more laps. Okay, let's see it. So Mercedes is kind of like saying, okay, well, you know, I don't believe you. Um, so uh, Verstappen does ease his tires up the temperature. Uh, lap 37, Hamilton pits, and he's got an 8.8 second gap to make up to Verstappen. Okay, and it's clear that the strategy that Red Bull is, is going for here, you know, undercut twice is that they're valuing track position above all else. Um, and really, this 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 is the story here. This race was, was ah, man, I was white-knuckling. It was anxiety through the roof. I mean, it was a really great race. Um, because you see Lewis just going purple, and he's going purple, and he's going purple. And lap after lap after lap, he's eating into the gap. He's eating into the gap. He's eating into the gap. Lap 49 of 56, Lewis is at a two-second gap to Verstappen. And, you know, I was sitting there going, yeah, you know, this is probably going to be another Lewis classic right here because uh, I just, I, I didn't, I also didn't know, I didn't believe that Verstappen could make those tires last in the in the second stint as long, or sorry, in the third stint longer than the second stint with them being worth the crap. Um, so, and, but at that two second gap, I mean, like I said before, this is where the Mercedes struggles hard 
and that is the actual overtaking when they don't just have a, a, a massive advantage in pace. So, yeah, you get Lewis on fresh tires, he's going to just fly past everybody. The uh, Red Bull pit wall, uh, I forget his name. It, it's a French French name. Uh, Max's race engineer was telling him 1.3 second advantage is what somebody needs to pass at Coda or a overwhelming advantage coming out of turn 11, which turn 11 is the hairpin uh, followed by a massively long straight. So the key here is to save the rear tires. Uh, obviously when you put the power down rear wheel drive car, you need grip at the rear. So Verstappen's whole objective, really the whole stint was to try and preserve his rear tires um, so that when it got down to it, Lewis couldn't just get DRS and just fly past him at a million miles an hour because the Mercedes was still beating the Red Bull at the end of the speed traps. I mean, they were still just faster. But if you get off the line quicker, you can, and, you know, you're not, you're not talking about Mercedes is going 50 miles an hour faster than the Red Bull. Um, you're talking a handful of miles an hour, but enough of an advantage that in DRS with a toe that the Mercedes could conceivably pass the Red Bull into turn 12. Um, that was, uh, that was very interesting. I mean, uh, you know, that never happened. You know, that 1.3 second advantage in pace looked, you know, in clean air, like there was no, no problem. Lewis was going to smoke him. Um, but it, it just never came to fruition. Um, you know, the, the, the Mercedes pace died as soon as it got caught in the wake in the dirty air of the Red Bull, um, especially in Circuit of the Americas. I mean, that S's section um, in Sector 1, that's a massive amount of time loss that Lewis had every single lap. He would make it up in the, in the second and third sectors because of his straight line speed advantage. And then as soon as he got close, you know, the dirty air was was causing a lot of aero push. And on top of that, um, one thing that Max had noted when he was following behind Lewis is that he was sliding around quite a lot. So the the Mercedes rear end wasn't quite as well seated um, as they probably would have liked. So it was, man, that was a real nail biter there. Uh, especially when the back markers gotten involved, uh, when when there was just a couple of laps to go, uh, Verstappen somehow made his rears last all the way to the end, um, and I think the closest L Lewis got was was actually point nine. Um, it was it was out of a DRS detection zone though, but he was point nine at one point. I think when Max was trying to get around Schumacher, because uh, Schumacher wasn't getting out of the way for the blue flag which confused me. Um, him and Tsunoda both confused, just maybe scratched my head a bit. You know, it's like, you're not going to gain a position, you know, even if you drove your absolute head off, you know, so the leaders are coming through, get out of the way. I mean, just what, what are you, what are you racing for at that point? Um, so huge deal. Uh, Verstappen takes the victory. Lewis does get the fastest lap point. Um, and so Verstappen stretches his lead now to 12 points ahead. Now we're going to talk about, I, I will go back and talk about other people here, but we're going to talk about championship implications now. Verstappen is 12 points ahead. This is the biggest advantage that anyone has had since Silverstone. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's the favorite now with five races to go. We have on the calendar remaining, we have 
Mexico, we have Brazil, we have uh, Saudi Arabia, we have Qatar, and we have Abu Dhabi. Uh, now, Qatar and Abu Dhabi, sorry, yeah, Qatar first, then Saudi Arabia, and then Abu Dhabi. Sorry, I just wanted to make it very clear there. So, one thing that's fresh on my mind, and it's something that I'm sure everyone's thinking about, but something that I'm really concerned about here is, uh, you know, people are thinking that Mercedes is is taking these engine penalties to try and sacrifice Bottas to to give Lewis advantages. Uh, so let me make things perfectly clear here. Uh, Mercedes will willfully throw Bottas into the fire for when they can get uh, Lewis into a win or get Lewis ahead of Verstappen. But they're not going to just throw Bottas into the fire for no reason. Um, they obviously have an internal combustion engine problem because um, he's on six. And I don't, I hope he doesn't take, doesn't need a seventh. That would be very unfortunate. But um, Lewis is, is going to need another one, is what they're saying. Now, when he takes it is pretty important here because we have, of the five remaining races, two of them are at new circuits. So, you know, do you roll the dice there? Or do you take it, take the engine penalty somewhere else? You know, or do you think there's a way that you can make it stretch to the end of the season? So... Very, very, uh, very big questions that that Mercedes. I'm sure they're having these big discussions about it now because this is not something that is easy to figure out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. Uh, I want to go back real quick here and talk about some of the. I mean, the top ten. We'll go through it here. Uh, Verstappen P1, Hamilton P2, Perez P3, Leclerc P4, Ricardo P5. Bottas P6, Sainz P7, Norris P8, Sunoda P9, and Vettel P10. So um, just talking about some of the standouts, obviously Verstappen winning the race was huge for him. Perez coming in third place, like I was talking about before earlier, sick, did not have the drink. Uh, very tough weekend for Sergio, but he got the podium, and that's just that's just what he needed. Uh some of the two head turners right behind him, in my opinion, Leclerc P4, Ricardo P5. So Leclerc, you know, like I was saying before, the, the Ferrari suddenly seemed to get pace. And Ferrari's been very up and down, very hot and cold this season. You know, uh, one week they're looking great, one week they're not. You know, he took pole in Monaco, but, you know, then crashed his car. He took pole in Baku. I mean, Leclerc has been driving the wheels off that Ferrari, but only when the Ferrari is ready for it to have its wheels driven off. They were saying, uh, they being Bonato was saying that the, uh, the, they've made some very big, um, improvements with the power unit and that they realize they're not where they were in 2019, um, before that, uh, regulation change, um, that took away their cheating. <clears throat> I mean, massive engine advantage. Um, but going forward here, you know, that's that's big implications. But Ricardo P5, you know, uh, I was not a believer in Ricardo uh, throughout most of the season. I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, uh, I don't I don't think so. But, you know, he's really recovered and he's he's put together some good races. He's still got some stinkers in there. 
but he's put together some good races. And uh, I mean, obviously the win of Monza was huge. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he has put together some really good races. And so, so, you know what? I was wrong about Ricardo. Um, I will admit that Bottas made it up to P six. I think he started ninth. Um, you know, you know, kind of a normal weekend for, for Bottas when he doesn't start up in the top three, he doesn't get anywhere. He doesn't really, you know, get past the people that he should. So, you know, I mean, I, I like Bottas. I think he's a, an underrated driver, but I think he's, he's very, he's got a very specialized skill set, and that's it. But really the shocker for me here is Norris and P8. Um, I just don't see, you know, Lando, uh, why he's down there you know he he needs to he needs to get up there his uh his performances lately um i say lately the past two races have been eh, a little a little forgettable um but i think his obviously this season he's proven that he's uh he's a talent so he needs to he needs to put in some more consistency there uh Sonoda with a big morale boost for him getting up uh, a p9 and vettel scooping up the last point um really you know the teams that are on the bubble for points, it's actually, you know, a pretty tight battle in a lot of ways. You know, each weekend there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, Vettel scooping up the last points pretty big. Um, this was a, not a, not a point-scoring weekend for Williams either. Uh, Russell in P14, you know, kind of a uh, – with three DNFs, you would hope that the Williams would be more in contention, but they were they were nowhere this weekend. Um you know, kind of a shame, but you know, that's how it is. Um, we'll see, you know, Russell has proven his merit this season. Uh, so we'll see if he can get up there. Uh, let's talk about the DNFs real quick here. Gasly. I wasn't too sure what the problem was with Gasly, but I think Ocon, uh, had a suspension problem. Uh, he got clipped and had to have his front wing replaced, but I think he had a suspension problem. Um, if not a suspension, then a hydraulic issue or something. He he. There was some problems with his car, and I think the the Alpine in general just kind of got battered this weekend. Um, Alonso with the DNF has said his rear ring was damaged, and need to retire the car. I guess uh, you know I, I don't know I, I don't know why he said that specifically, but you know there was there were some issues with the Alpine for sure. Big shame for them. Um, so obviously here in the championship, Verstappen and Hamilton, we talked about that enough. Bottas is in third. Uh, 35 points clear of Perez. Perez is now in fourth, one point ahead of Norris. Norris is nursing a 21-point lead over Leclerc, 149 to 128. Signs is at 122 and a half, uh, five and a half points behind his teammate. And then you have Ricardo that is now kind of pulling himself out of the mud. He's in eighth at 105. Uh, there was somebody else that I want to talk about here, someone that doesn't get talked about ever. Uh, well, there's two people that don't get talked about ever. But uh, one of them being Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, this is obviously a very big make it or break it type season for him. And uh, I wanted to point out to those that might not have known this, but he has scored one point this season. Yeah, just just let that sink in for a second. He scored one point this season. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen has scored six. You know, I, I understand, you know, Raikkonen has, has been there, done that. But Giovinazzi, you know, if he wants to secure his seat, you know, you, you got to at least beat the guy who's who's got one foot out the door. So uh, kind of a shame there. Uh, 
in the constructors uh, standings, Red Bull is 23 points behind Mercedes. There's still a, re- a realistic chance that they can uh, secure the constructors. Uh, and then you have Ferrari and McLaren that uh, are separated by three and a half points. Very close there. That's why, you know, th- this is this is there's some big championship in- implications here with um, what's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Mexico GP, Mexico City, and, uh, you know, what uh, what we have to come here. We're starting to come up on about 41 minutes, so we're getting close. Uh, Mexico GP, all eyes on Red Bull. This is historically a great track for Red Bull. Uh, so what I've understood from the uh, technical talks and, and things that I've read about it is that the high rake design um, allows them to negate some of the disadvantage that is created due to the thin air, the the high atmosphere, um, sorry, the high, the high altitude, the low atmosphere, the thin air. Um, that contributes because basically your your car is less draggy. So, you know, you slap on as much downforce as possible and you're still not generating, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is I, I wanted to, to be specific here because what, what I read is that they said, if we put on our Monaco package at Mexico City, we generate less downforce than we do in our Monza package at Monza. You know, the, the Monza wings that are hardly classified as wings. Yeah. In Mexico, with the Monaco package, they make less downforce than they do at Monza. And that's crazy to me. But, you know, hey, that's what altitude does. Now, the kicker with that as well is that the turbo, um, you know, has a has to work a lot harder. It doesn't get as cool. So the the issues that Mercedes has run into with the past in the past with it is that they're on a low rake design um, and the Honda turbo has dealt with the the thin air a lot better. So this should be a nice advantage for the Red Bull, but I wouldn't put it past Mercedes pulling something out of their hat and and being competitive. I, at this point, I think that they have looked at next year's car and they're like, we need to try and at least get Lewis a chance at eight. Because if Lewis gets to eight, he's, you know, that's the thing. This is his best shot at it because I think beyond next season, it's kind of a crapshoot. Or beyond this season, it's kind of a crapshoot on who's going to be the best. So they're going to try everything they can to get Lewis number eight past Schumacher. I mean, that's that's huge. So this is why I have the question. Will they take the engine penalty now, or will they try to take it at somewhere like Saudi Arabia? And the reason I say Saudi Arabia, well, it's a new circuit. What do you know about it? Well, the Saudi Arabian GP circuit is going to be a high-speed circuit. And generally speaking, the Mercedes-powered cars do very well at the, the power circuits because their power unit is is very good. So if they have to get a fresh power unit into Saudi Arabia, for instance, and that ends up being a great circuit for them, um, then they may be able to make up the grid drop and still have winning chances. That's obviously ideal. So, um, but if they take it here, you know, they may be able to to, to find a way to, to make it work. Or, they, you know, if, if they take it, you know, in Mexico... That may just be them licking their wounds and saying, okay, we're not going to score very well here anyways, but we can probably get to around the same spot that we could otherwise. 
So the other thing to note here is this is the greatest potential here for Perez to win a race, in my opinion. If the if if the the pieces fall into place correctly, Perez could realistically win the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, and this is a very good chance for a Red Bull one two. And uh, to win the Constructors' Championship, they need this to be a 1-2. And for Verstappen to win the championship, he obviously needs to win the race or at least gap Lewis by another good amount of points. Um, so we don't, we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, obviously. But this, is, this, is a, this might be what we look back on, this United States Grand Prix, if Verstappen is hoisting the championship trophy at the end of the season, we might be seeing, uh, we might, we might be saying rather that this US GP was the absolute turning point, And this is, this is the championship drive of the whole season. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm really excited for, for this grand prix. I, this has been an amazing season. I mean, hasn't it? I mean, my goodness, we've been since, since the first race, the duel in Bahrain, all the way up to now. I mean, I want to do a recap on the season at the end because uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't really have anything to talk about in the the Formula One off season. I don't really think about Formula One too much in the off season unless there's something crazy happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be an absolute dogfight to the end. But this also might have been where Verstappen finally gets the enough of a gap where he can keep Lewis at bay. Um, and, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be very good. So, uh, the last note here is, is again about Ferrari. If, uh, they have really made the steps and the strides that Bonato has said they have, they have made, um, they have a very good chance of taking the third place spot in the constructors championship away from McLaren. So, uh, Keep your eyes peeled for Ferrari versus McLaren. That's if you're not watching the front, watch them. That that's really the the stuff to watch and watch Fernando Alonso. That guy is amazing. You know, I mean, come on, give me, you got to give it up for that guy. He's he's one one hell of a driver, and he's been doing a great job. Uh, once he once he got the the power steering corrected for him or whatever it was that he needed, he's been he's been absolutely on it, and that's just really cool to see somebody do that. Um, and yeah, that's where we will end it today. Uh, not too bad. I clocked in about how much time I was looking to do. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you have made it this far, I do appreciate it. I really do. Um, this is uh, something that, again, I I have these thoughts in my heads, my head, any my heads, my head, anyways. So getting it out onto a microphone and into a recording. Uh, and then upload it somewhere. It just kind of makes sense. I mean, I, I I think about this stuff all the time. I'm reading Formula One news all the time. And this is uh, an American's perspective on a sport that is growing rapidly here. So um, uh, if, if you've got any suggestions or any feedback at all, please leave a comment on the YouTube video. Um, if there's a somewhere you'd like for me to put these podcasts uh, I, I can put them up on SoundCloud. Um, I don't know if I can put them up anywhere else. I'd have to look into that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to get this out there for people that want to listen to an American talk uh, from an American's perspective about Formula One. Um, so yeah, again, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you guys after the Mexican Grand Prix. Thank you.